Welcome to episode 45 of AI.Cooking, a podcast about artificial intelligence. Hello, enigmatically endangered entrails. Welcome to AI.Cooking episode 45, a podcast about artificial intelligence. I am Gregory Hoy, Gregory William Forsyth Foreman, whoever you want to call me, from the Kingdom of Kent, who brings you news about artificial intelligence from the second half of November 2022, slipping into December 2022, and two corners, no, one corner, Knowledge Corner. Only a week, I know. Amazing, isn't it? I always thought this would turn into a weekly affair. And here we are, one week. And then there'll be another week, won't it? In the next week. But then it'll probably go back to two weeks. So, fill your boots. Fill your boots, guys. Because it's not going to last forever, this. I tell you. I'm a mortal man for now. And, um, yeah. So it'll last as long as I last, which should be quite a while. I mean, I'm only 34, drink two litres of water a day, take me vitamins, don't I? <laughs> right, so we're skipping, aren't we, all the way down to news item 12, I think it is. And I'm also going to tell you that if you want to submit news items to us or to give us feedback for free, <laughs> that always tickles me, please tweet us at CSB or at Gregory High, G-R-E-G-R-I-H-O-Y. We are also in Fediverse, also known as Masterton. Boo! Fediverse, yay! At noagendasocial.com, as at CSB, and as at GWF, G-W-F-F. Henceforth, my multiple monikers. Mm-hmm. One of them is to keep people away from the other one. Let's put it that way. To send us feedback via Boostergrams. Yes, to boost the show. Uh, and, by the way, to send us Bitcoin in the form of Bitcoin Lightning, please use one of Podcasting 2.0 podcast apps from newpodcastapps.com. All feedback is welcome. Right, moving on to one and a two, number 12, news item number 12, which is today's news item one, but last week's news item number 12. Do you dig it? IEEE Spectrum reports, innovative shins turn quadrupedal robot biped. The word quadruped means technically four feet. Roboticists tend to apply the term to anything that uses four limbs to walk, differentiating it from bipedal robots, which walk on two limbs instead. But there's a huge blurry crossover there. In both robotics and biology, where you find animals and occasionally robots that can transition from quadruped to biped when they need to, for example, manipulate something, if you look at quadrupedal robots simply as robots with four limbs rather than robots with four feet, they start to seem much more versatile. But that transition can be a tricky one. At the 2022 IEEE forward slash RSJ International Conference on Intelligent Robots and Systems, or IROS 2022, 
In Kyoto, Japan, last week, researchers from Worcester Polytechnic Institute, or WPI, in Massachusetts, and Shanghai Tech University presented a generalizable method whereby an off-the-shelf quadruped robot can turn into a biped with some clever software and a tiny bit of mechanical modification. Oh, mechanical modification, eh? Hmm. A baker's dozen, 12 plus 1. Google Research and Boston University are reporting. Dream Booth. Dream Booth. Fine-tuning text-to-image diffusion models for subject-driven generation. Large text-to-image models achieved a remarkable leap in the evolution of AI enabling high-quality and diverse synthesis of images from a given text prompt. However, these models lack the ability to mimic the appearance of subjects in a given reference set and synthesize novel renditions of them in different contexts. In this work, we present a new approach for personalization, of text-to-image diffusion models, specialising them to users' needs. Given as input just a few images of a subject, we fine-tune a pre-trained text-to-image model, Imogen, although our method is not limited to a specific model, such that it learns to bind a unique identifier with that specific subject, Once the subject is embedded in the output domain of the model, the unique identifier can then be used to synthesize fully novel photorealistic images of the subject contextualized in different scenes. By leveraging the semantic prior embedded in the model with a new autogenous class-specific prior preservation loss, Our technique enables synthesizing the subject in diverse scenes, poses, views, and lighting conditions that do not appear in the reference images. We apply our technique to several previously unassailable tasks, including subject recontextualization, text-guided view synthesis, appearance modification, and artistic rendering, all while preserving the subject's key features. Project webpage can be found at dreambooth.github.io. In other news, 14. While not directly related to artificial intelligence, still pertinent, Nature magazine at nature.com is reporting, Mathematician who solved prime number riddle claims new breakthrough. A mathematician who went from obscurity to luminary status in 2013 for cracking a century-old question about prime numbers now claims to have solved another. The problem is similar to, but distinct from, the Riemann hypothesis, which is considered one of the most important problems in mathematics. 
number theorist Yi Tang Zhang, who is based at the University of California, Santa Barbara, posted his proposed solution. A 111-page reprint on the lowercase ar, uppercase x, lowercase iv, preprint server on 4th of November. It has not yet been validated by his peers, but if it checks out, it will tame the perceived randomness of prime numbers. Whole numbers that cannot be divided evenly by any number except themselves or one. Yeah, prime numbers. Yeah, that's the secret to everything, isn't it? And that what the crypto guys are doing with the bitcoins. Someone sat me down and said to me, Oh, you know, every block they make is another prime number that we couldn't work out before. Oh, I don't know. I'm not smart enough or deep in it enough to know what's going on there. But I know that I've been told by different sources of seemingly unrelatedness uh, that prime numbers are intrinsic in encryption. So, yeah. Encryption's important. You want to encrypt communications? You need to use prime numbers, allegedly. Right. Number 15. The Verge reports. Hey, GitHub. will let programmers code with just their voice. Microsoft-owned GitHub is experimenting with a new voice-based interaction system for its Copilot software. Hey, GitHub will allow programmers to code with just their voice and no keyboard, just like how you'd speak to Siri, Alexa, or Google Assistant. The new experiment will be available in Copilot, a 10 bucks per month AI tool that GitHub launched earlier this year to help developers write code. Copilot suggests lines of code to developers inside their code editor, and it's capable of suggesting the next line of code as developers type in an integrated development environment, or IDE, like Visual Studio Code, Neovim, and JetBrains IDEs. Copilot can even suggest complete methods and complex algorithms alongside boilerplate code and assistance with unit testing. Good, good. Help the coders first, AI, and then move on to Manan, because she was painting a blooming banister, 86 years old, on the stairs, painting a banister that nobody's painted for months on end. I'm too busy to be painting banisters. Don't you look at me. Love that woman. Time I get to spend with her is a cup of tea, maybe 10 minutes every couple of days. Sometimes a little bit longer, maybe a few hours. Oh, do I love that lady. I think she's coming round. I think, because I've always said, oh, let's let's get my, my microphone set up and you can tell me about all your stories, how it was back in the day. And she's always like, no, 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 no. But recently, she started watching a new news channel called GB News and she's full of ideas and she don't give a toss about what she's going to say to anyone anymore so I think I might actually set it up and, and get some um, get some good stuff but that'll be on another podcast in another world in another time but pay attention because I'll probably mention it here two eights are 16 and that is the number of news items we are currently at in the current transcript that I have been sent for the last fortnight 
and gadget reports. Waymo is one step closer to charging for self-driving taxis in California. <laughs> what did you think it was going to be free forever? Waymo is considered nearer to offering fully driverless rides to California residents. The state's Department of Motor Vehicles has greenlit an amended deployment permit that lets Waymo charge the general population for completely autonomous rides on public roads. The update clears the way for Waymo One to charge for passenger-only service in San Francisco, much like it does in Phoenix. This also allows for paid delivery services. The company isn't opening Waymo One San Francisco operations to the public at this time, a spokesperson told Engadget. Waymo has so far limited these rides to employees and trusted testers covered under existing deployment and testing permits. The firm already had permission to charge for self-driving taxi rides with a safety driver aboard. Didn't take long, did it? Didn't take long. No. But here we are. 17. Andrew Ng from deeplearning.ai is reflecting upon the state of AI industry. <laughs> Let's hear some reflections. <laughs> Dear friends, the economic downturn of the past six months has hit many individuals and companies hard, and I've written about the impact of rising interest rates on AI, the effects of high inflation, the Russian war in Ukraine, and economic slowdown in China. Achoo! <laughs> are rippling across the globe. Wonder why I sneezed there. I don't know. Maybe I'm ill. Even though unemployment in the US is low, within the tech world, I continue to hear things that point to the possibility that we might go through a challenging time for many months to come. AI winter, anybody? The layoffs at Twitter and Meta are well publicized. Anecdotally, I've heard many worrisome stories. Students are having a hard time finding internships for next summer. Entrepreneurs are having a greater difficulty raising capital. Companies are freezing hiring and reducing headcount. Employees are facing effective pay cuts as falling share prices reduce the value of their stock-based compensation. Some managers have told me they want to preserve their machine learning teams, which they hired with great difficulty. But the tech market has cooled and likely will take a while to pick up. What can we do amid the turmoil? Even if the tech world slumps, the long-term value of AI is still clear to me, and it's worth lifting our eyes toward the future to position ourselves for the eventual rebound. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's exactly what I'm doing with my TV show development thing. Because I'm thinking, hey, here's where everything else is. Whoa, it's going to come back here at some point. Huh, why don't I be here where it's going to come back to with a really cool shit? 
uh, <laughs> with really cool stuff. <laughs> Sorry, nearly, nearly dropped an S word in there. <clears throat> naughty, naughty, Guaf, naughty, naughty. I'd like to draw attention to three investments that I believe will retain or increase their value even in uncertain times. If you're wondering where to put your effort, attention, or money, consider these areas. Ah, oh, really? You're really going to do this to me, Andrew? Mm. You're really going to make me go and look at some stuff and have to drag up some clips? Oh, fine. Let's see if he says anything important. And then I might have to put a little disclaimer in here from a friend of the show. <laughs> a friend who doesn't know we exist of the show. <laughs> Andrew Horowitz. Deep technology. AI technologies from programming frameworks like TensorFlow and PyTorch to algorithmic breakthroughs like transformers and diffusion models have deep and long-lasting value. Deep tech is difficult to build, and it transforms the way we do AI. I'm continuing to work on deep tech in data-centric AI. Collectively, we should keep working to build deep tech, and I'm confident that the long-term benefits to society will be profound. <laughs> yeah, benefits to a society that's obsessed with depopulation. Hmm, wonder where that's gonna go. Hmm, I wonder. Hmm. Training. During a bumpy job market, many people stay in school longer, if they can afford it, in the hope of graduating into a healthier job market. Real expertise in technology will continue to hold tremendous value, because it helps you to shape the future. Oh, what a naff marketing. Shape the future. Ugh. So, if you're not sure what to invest in, keep investing in your own technical skills. Wherever the world ends up, people with deep technical skill in AI will be in demand. Uh, I'm not going to argue with that one, Andrew. Mm. Communato. Having lived in different places, I've seen firsthand how some cities have strong communities where neighbors watch out for each other and lend a helping hand when people are down on their luck. And weak ones, where hardly anyone knows anyone else, and falling sick means having to take care of yourself. The AI community has always been stronger together. If we can step back from wondering how to build our next project or get that promotion and instead ask how we can help others around us, the investment in human relationships will have tremendous value. This guy, this guy should really consider a run for office. He's got the patter, hasn't he? He can patter it up. Yeah. Oh, and if anyone wants to help anyone out, well, why don't you help me out? Because I've got loads of ideas, man. Like, totally loads of ideas. No technical skill whatsoever, but all the ideas. Whether or not the economic downturn affects you, I'm here to support you. Ah, oh, thank you, Andrew. I'm so happy you're here to support me. As we sail through a potentially tough time in the coming months, remember that the long-term impact of AI has been and will continue to be huge! Let's keep 
helping each other and investing in things that will make us stronger. For when the world exits its current slump, I mean, if the world exits its... <laughs> Who's to say the slump will ever be exited? Huh? Keep learning, Andrew. That means, like, keep learning from Andrew. Yours sincerely, Andrew, as if he's writing a letter to us, you and me. Well, at least I didn't have to drag out Horowitz's thing because he didn't mention no specific companies or nothing. 18. Fortune.com reports. Dirty shrimp farms are punching a huge hole in the environment. AI could cut it in half. The software does all the heavy lifting. Daniel Rusick, CEO of Mexico City and Indianapolis-based Ataraya, tells Fortune during a tour of the company's newly launched U.S. operation, which includes a small office building and a warehouse that it plans to fill with 20 of the micro-shrimp farms. The software Rasik refers to is cloud-based artificial intelligence that monitors water quality, regulates temperature and oxygenation, and feeds the shrimp. For Rasik, the concept is a bet that Ataraya will be able not only to sell locally grown seafood itself, but also to franchise its shrimp box technology to seafood distributors or farmers, whether they have aquaculture experience or not. With its $100 million oceans and seafood strategy, S2G Ventures, a food and agriculture venture fund, is among the investors wading into the waters, see what they did there, of onshore salmon farming. One of the fund's investments is in real data. Real, as in reel them in. R-E-E-L-D-A-T-A. Ha! <laughs> the puns! <laughs> A company developing artificial intelligence to provide data and automation to monitor feeding health, biomass, and stress in land-based fish farms. 19. The Dallas Morning News and UC Berkeley Graduate School of Journalism in an, in, in an article entitled Tracked How Colleagues Use AI to Monitor Student Protests. In a story that was produced in partnership with the Pulitzer Center AI Accountability Network are reporting, the pitch was attractive and simple. For a few thousand dollars a year, Social Sentinel offered schools across the country sophisticated technology to scan social media posts from students at risk of harming themselves or others. Used correctly, the tool could help save lives, the company said. For some colleges that bought the service, it also offered a different purpose – Allowing campus police to surveil student protests. <laughs> For your safety, we'll monitor you. In investigation by the Dallas Morning News and the investigative reporting program at UC Berkeley's Graduate School of Journalism reveals for the first time that as more students have embraced social media as a digital town square to express opinions and organize demonstrations, 
many college police departments have been using taxpayer dollars to pay for social sentinel services to monitor what they say. <gasps> Shock. Privacy experts said that they were appalled by the service's ability to monitor private student messages. The idea of adding surveillance software to the campus infrastructure where students are supposed to learn is just shocking. Dave Maas, the director of investigations at the Electronic Frontier Foundation, said... It's just an abomination to the idea of scholastic freedom. UNC Charlotte ultimately did not sign the contract, citing budget limitations. At the same time, the company was promoting the email monitoring service to another North Carolina college, UNC Asheville. In 2019 emails to the university, the co-founder Margolis promoted Social Sentinel's ability to work with the Google suite of services and promised they would work with Microsoft Outlook in the near future. Another company employee advertised the new Gmail integration in the signature of every email she sent to the school that year. The Navigate360 CEO, Guibald, said some colleges use the service to monitor emails, but they may not be stopping there. In emails to Gulf Coast and Palm Beach State Colleges in 2019, the company touted its ability to monitor Google Docs, Google Hangout chats, and even Facebook messages. Ah, oh, fancy that. Oh, using Silicon Valley stuff. Oh, it's not safe. Oh, they might be able to monitor you. Oh, do you reckon? Oh, I don't know. Oh, maybe pen and paper might help. Send pigeons to each other in instead, eh? Well, maybe do that instead. That'd be safe, wouldn't it? Nobody's going to shoot the pigeons down and get the notes out of their little legs, are they? 20. CapitalOne.com is reporting. New Forrester report on operationalizing machine learning. ML or machine learning, is beginning to drive business impact. With automated anomaly detection as the top priority in the next one year to three years, machine learning applications have the potential to supercharge data science and improve analytics, enabling organizations to make data-driven decisions quickly. Successfully leveraged machine learning applications can boost business goals, improve customer experience, and in turn grow revenue. In a study commissioned by Capital One, Forrester Consulting surveyed 150 data management decision makers in North America about their organization's machine learning goals, challenges, and plans to operationalize machine learning. Respondents revealed that machine learning is beginning to drive business impact, with automated anomaly detection as the top priority in the next one year to three years. And here are some quotes from the study that is available for free as PDF file. AI forward slash ML is critical to enterprises that want to build differentiated experiences and applications. 
Forrester's 2021 data showed that three-quarters of data and analytics decision-makers who were using or expanding AI and had high maturity in their insights-driven business strategy and practice said that their AI platform was their core business platform for delivering value at the departmental level or higher. Difficulties in translating academic models into deployable products are hindering operationalization. Alongside internal and external data silos, the lack of connection between academic or scientific models and tangible insights needed for business success is slowing the momentum needed to drive machine learning strategies forward. The core focus of AI forward slash ML platform vendors is to operationalize more ML models faster, with less friction at handoffs in the AI lifecycle. This will improve productivity and show executives the value they need to stay bought in. Conclusion Data management decision makers believe in the promise of AI forward slash ML to grow their businesses. To keep executives bought in, they are moving their organizations out of experimentation and towards operationalizing their machine learning strategies. To continue to evolve their machine learning applications, decision makers must overcome silos among both people and processes. They must also find better ways to translate academic models into deployable products to better illustrate ROI to executives, that is, return on investment to executives. By leveraging partners with first-hand experience and remaining relentlessly focused on the business promise of machine learning, decision-makers can prove the key outcomes of operationalizing machine learning like efficiency, productivity, and improved customer experience to executive leadership. With leadership buy-in, organizations can then pivot to scaling and operationalizing machine learning applications. There's something about the word operationalizing that my brain really dislikes. So I'm glad I'm not going to have to say it much more in this episode at the very least. I get that it's a word that is used. It just smells such like... Ah, creepy corporate stuff, right? Get it out of my lips, get it out of my brain, get it out of my mind, my throat, my body. I shall meditate after this due to that. Hum. Twenty-one. New paper has been published by Cornell University entitled... Training Compute Optimal Large Language Models. And its abstract is... We investigate the optimal model size and number of tokens for training a transformer language model under a given compute budget. We find that large language models are significantly undertrained, a consequence of the recent focus on scaling language models whilst keeping the amount of training data constant. 
by training over backslash new models language models ranging from 70 million to over 16 billion parameters on 5 to 500 billion tokens, we find that for compute optimal training, the model size and the number of training tokens should be scaled equally. For every doubling of model size, the number of training tokens should also be doubled. We test this hypothesis by training a predicted compute-optimal model, Chinchilla, <laughs> that uses the same compute budget as Gopher, but with 70 billion parameters and four times more more data. Chinchilla uniformly and significantly outperforms Gopher, 280B, and GPT-3, 175B, and Jurassic 1, 178B, and Megatron Turing NLG, 530B, on a large range of downstream evaluation tasks. This also means that Chinchilla uses substantially less compute for fine-tuning and inference, greatly facilitating downstream usage. As a highlight, Chinchilla reaches a state-of-the-art average accuracy of 67.5% on the MMLU benchmark, greater than a 7% improvement over Gopher. Two ducks in a row, 22. Finally, last news item is... BLS.gov, also known as US Bureau of Labor Statistics, has published an article or report entitled Growth Trends for Selected Occupations Considered at Risk from Automation. While this article covers impact on many various occupations including fast food workers, janitors, laborers, welders, tax preparers, industrial operators, etc., etc. The chapter about programmers might be interesting for dudes named Ben, as we call information technology workers. And it's funny that impact of offshoring, moving work to India or other countries, is bigger than impact of AI. Computer programmers. There have been previous efforts to automate aspects of software production, such as the development of computer-aided software engineering tools. Although some current writing on automation believes algorithms are likely to replace human programmers, others consider this to be a more distinct prospect or even less likely. Artificial intelligence has been used to create programs that can automatically write computer code in response to plain language requests, but the code often fails or requires modifications by humans, limiting potential use. Information technology occupations have tended to grow strongly, despite the growth of automation and software tools and current projections anticipate that they will continue to do so. One exception is the computer programmer occupation, 
which is projected to decline by 9.4% from 2019 to 2029. However, BLS Projections Research attributes this to mostly offshoring. The projected magnitude may be an underestimate given the actual decline for the 2008 to 2018 period, minus 41.3%, was far greater than projected, minus 3%. Despite a similar decline registered in the OEWS database from 1999 to 2009, minus 30.4%, Nevertheless, the importance of offshoring complicates any effort to attribute the declining number of jobs in this occupation to automation or AI. Conclusions from this article Numerous observers believe the recent developments in robotics and AI may cause an unprecedented wave of automation-related job losses. In this view, the new technology is fundamentally different from earlier waves of computing technology because it improves at an accelerating rate and substitutes for a much wider range of job tasks. A widely cited scenario estimates that 47% of jobs are susceptible to automation between 2010 and 2030, implying a decisive break with previous rates of occupational growth and decline. As part of this argument, proponents have cited 28 detailed occupations as notably susceptible to job losses due to new technology. However, these occupations did not exhibit any general tendency towards notably rapid job losses in the first half of this period, 2008 to 2018, and are not projected to experience such losses in the second half, 2019 to 2029. Occupations that did decline were mostly those that were vulnerable to previous waves of computing technology and other trends, such as offshoring. Offshoring. Rather than occupations newly susceptible to automation due to AI and advanced robotics, actual job losses within these occupations for the 2008 to 18 time period and the losses projected for 2019 to 2029 often exhibit continuity with previous trends dating to 1999 to 2009 and are generally within the range of typical growth rates observed for all occupations for 1999 to 2018. <laughs> This points to the importance of carefully distinguishing the effects of different generations of computing technology in any discussion of individual cases and overall trends. In general, most occupations are small, few decline by 30% or more over 10 years, and those that do so account for a small share of the total number of jobs although the performance of the 2008 to 2018 projections with respect to these occupations taken individually was varied, 
The projections performance was strong for the group overall. The performance of the 2008 to 2018 projections provides no reason to suppose that the projections to 2029, which also foresee gradual changes rather than a break with previous trends, systematically underestimate future job losses. Even among the occupations cited in the automation literature, rates of actual projected job losses rarely reached levels that automation literature suggests are becoming common or soon will be. Although there are large occupations that experienced large percent declines over two decades, those occupations account for much less than 47% of jobs, and their losses are more than offset by growth in other occupations, which is to say those jobs are not representative of a broader trend. They're basically just papering over the cracks, aren't they? This is just loads of words to paper over cracks. Part of the reason new technology does not produce sharper changes in employment is the diversity of jobs within occupations and the diversity of tasks within jobs, not all of which are equally susceptible to technological substitution. Automation of some tasks may also alter the task composition of jobs, rather than simply reducing the number of jobs. The growth of product demand within industries implementing new technology can buffer employment effects of technological change. On a broader scale, population growth and economic growth are associated with expanding employment. It is also possible that adoption rates for new production technology are more gradual than commonly assumed. The automation literature implicitly claims that technological substitution will be so great as to dominate any offsetting forces, producing unusually large job losses. However, the total number of jobs grew after the AI breakthrough of the early 2010s, and BLS projects it will continue to do so, as will most of the specific occupations the automation literature considers to be on the leading edge of this wave of technological displacement. <sighs> Fears that automation will cause widespread job losses have been raised in the past, which, in retrospect, usually greatly overestimate the scale of actual displacement. Recent experience and projections suggest a similar pattern may be occurring with recent developments in AI and robotics. For various reasons, technological change seems to be generally more gradual than commonly recognised. Prior waves of computing may be too familiar to receive much attention from observers of emerging trends, but their immediate effects are probably smaller than anticipated, and their full impact unfolds gradually over a longer time frame than recognized. None of this is to minimize the hardships experienced by displaced workers. Uh, really? Sure, huh? 
He's saying that now, but is it really? However, rapid leaps in examined specific occupations that are most favourable to the automation thesis and found little support for this view. It is entirely possible that robotics and AI are simply another in a long line of waves of innovation whose effects on employment will unfold at rates comparable to those in the past. The end of news items. Finally, the knowledge corner. Carrying on from last week's history corner, big data. Our commentary. Big data is an important concept and a set of technologies and tools that is needed to fully be able to use artificial intelligence nowadays. So we are covering it in more detail here. Consider it a prerequisite for optimal use of AI. Intro about big data from Wikipedia. Big data refers to datasets that are too large or complex to be dealt with by traditional data processing application software. Data with many fields or rows offer greater statistical power, while data with higher complexity, more attributes or columns, may lead to a higher false discovery rate. Big data analysis challenges include capturing data, data storage, data analysis, search, sharing, transfer, visualization, querying, updating, information privacy, and data source. Big data was originally associated with three concepts, volume, variety, and velocity. The analysis of big data presents challenges in sampling and thus previously allowing for only observations and sampling. Thus a fourth concept, veracity, refers to the equality or insightfulness of the data. Without sufficient investment in expertise for big data veracity, then the volume and variety of data can produce costs and risks that exceed an organization's capacity to create and capture value from big data. Current usage of the term big data tends to refer to the use of predictive analytics, user behavior analytics, or certain other advanced data analytics methods that extract value from big data and sell them to a particular size of data set. Ah, uh, there is little doubt that the quantities of data now available are indeed large. Ah, uh, but that's not the most relevant characteristics of this new data ecosystem. Analysis of data sets can find new correlation to spot business trends, previous diseases, combat crime, and so on. Scientists, business executives, medical practitioners, advertising and governments alike regularly meet difficulties with large datasets in areas including internet searches, fintech, healthcare analytics, geographic information systems, urban informatics and business informatics. Scientists encounter limitations in e-science work, including meteorology, genomics, connectomics, 
complex physics simulations, biology and environmental research. <coughs> the size and number of available data sets have grown rapidly as data is collected by devices such as mobile devices, cheap and numerous information sensing Internet of Things devices, aerial or remote sensing, software logs, cameras, microphones, radio frequency identification or ARFID readers, and wireless sensor networks. The world's technological per capita capacity to store information has roughly doubled every 40 months since the 1980s. As of 2012, every day, 2.5 exabytes, that is 2.5 times 260 bytes, of data are generated. Based on an IDC report prediction, the global data volume was predicted to grow exponentially from 4.4 zettabytes to 44 zettabytes between 2013 and 2020. By 2025, IDC predicts there will be 163 zettabytes of data. According to IDC, Global spending on big data and business analytics or BDA solutions is estimated to reach $215.7 billion in 2021. While Statista report the global big data market is forecasted to grow to $103 billion by 2027, in 2011, McKinsey & Company reported if U.S. healthcare were to use big data creatively and effectively to drive efficiency and quality, the sector could create more than $300 billion in value every year. In the developed economies of Europe, government administrators could save more than 100 billion euros or $149 billion in operational efficiency improvements alone by using big data. And users of services enabled by personal location data could capture $600 billion in consumer surplus. One question for large enterprises is determining who should own big data initiatives that affect the entire organization. Relational database management systems and desktop statistical software packages used to visualize data often have difficulty processing and analyzing big data. The processing and analysis of big data may require massively parallel software running on tens, hundreds, or even thousands of servers. What qualifies as big data varies depending on the capabilities of those analyzing it and their tools. Furthermore, expanding capabilities make big data a moving target. For some organizations, facing hundreds of gigabytes of data for the first time may trigger a need to reconsider data management options. For others, it may take tens or hundreds of terabytes before data size becomes a significant consideration. Other questions and answers about big data. What is meant by big data?
What exactly is big data? The definition of big data is data that contains greater variety, arriving in increasing volumes and with more velocity. This is also known as the three Vs. Put simply, big data is larger, more complex data sets, especially from new data sources. What are examples of big data? Big data comes from a myriad of sources. Some examples are transaction processing systems, customer databases, documents, emails, medical records, internet clickstream logs, mobile apps, and social networks. Who define big data? The act of accessing and storing large amounts of information for analytics has been around for a long time. But the concept of big data gained momentum in the early 2000s when industry analyst Doug Laney articulated the now mainstream definition of big data as the three Vs, volume, velocity, variety. What are the four Vs of big data? Most people determine that data is big if it has the four Vs. Volume, velocity, variety, and veracity. What is Hadoop in big data? Apache Hadoop is an open source framework that is used to efficiently store and process large datasets ranging in size from gigabytes to petabytes of data. Instead of using one large computer to store and process the data, Hadoop allows clustering multiple computers to analyze massive datasets in parallel more quickly. What is ETL and BIG? ETL stands for Extract, Transform and Load. ETL is the process of moving your data from a source to a data warehouse. This step is one of the most crucial steps in your data analysis process. ETL tools are applications that let users execute the ETL process. Is SQL needed in big data? As a matter of fact, modern big data systems like Hadoop and Spark make use of SQL for maintaining relational database systems and processing structured data. Identifying the right data sources, getting the data, and pre-processing the data are fundamental steps in any descriptive or predictive analytics work. What are the challenges of big data? But there are some challenges of big data encountered by companies. These include data quality, storage, lack of data science professionals, validating data, and accumulating data from different sources. We will take a closer look at these challenges and the ways to overcome them. Which country is leading big data? The United States. In 2021, the United States is the leading country in big data and business analytics markets. With 51% market share, the following four leading countries all hover around 5% market share. Japan, 5.7%, Komi China, 5.5%, UK, 5.1%, and the rest, Germany, 4.4%, others, 28.3%. 
What are the five A's of big data? Five A's to big data success? Agility, automation, accessible, accuracy, adoption. What are the four C's of big data? Specifically, we found that the connection between big data and big process revolved around the four C's. Those four C's are customers, chaos, context, and cloud. And that's it for this episode. Stay safe, and stay dangerous. Enigmatically endangered entrails. Singularity is near. Yo. We sure hope not. Yo, back at you.